Welcome to the Life is Better with You Here podcast with Dr. Childs. Here, we want to help, and where there's help, there's hope. A short disclaimer, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy. If you feel you need treatment, we strongly suggest you visit your physician or go to lifeisbetterwithyouhere.org slash therapist slash for assistance finding a mental health provider. Our topic for today is self-esteem and the crown. Now, here's our host, Dr. Childs. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Life is Better With You Here. I'm your host, Dr. Shivana Childs. Today, we're going to talk about self-esteem to include the Crown Act as well as body dysmorphia. And we'll talk about where all of those things meet. But before we get started, you know I like to do a guided meditation. So today, we're going to do the guided meditation called Do of a Leap. And it's to reconnect with creation as you observe the ripple effects of a dew drop falling in the lake. So let's get ready. So let your mind wander and drift now to thoughts of buoyancy, floating, drifting, and relaxing. Simply close your eyes and listen to the words I speak. As you listen, allow yourself to relax. Comfort, release, coast, ease, open, take your time, relief, and relax. Now imagine at this moment that you are sitting on the shore of a protected lake. It is very peaceful and calm, and the water is deep, deep blue. The lake is surrounded by trees. The trees have full green leaves hanging from their branches. Imagine a single drop of dew resting on a leaf. The leaf on a tree which hangs over the expanse of a flat, undisturbed water. As the dew rolls down the leaf, feel tension giving way to gravity, gradually releasing hold of the leaf, then falling slowly toward the water. As the dewdrop is welcomed into the water, imagine the ripples it creates. Each enlarges slowly and gradually. This continues as its actions is absorbed by the lake. Soon, the lake is back to a relaxed, undisturbed, and smooth state once again. It is no longer a single falling drop. You are now a part of a large breath of calm, soothing water. Having become a part of this larger body of water, as you consciously tune back into your surroundings and my voice, it is now time to rejoin and awaken. All right, welcome back. And I hope you are calm and ready to receive this information and good vibes as we talk about our self-esteem, the crown act, which is our crown, our glory, our hair, and body dysmorphia, which is the many ways we can see our body in flawed ways. The flaws that nobody else sees, but we can pick them out just like that. That's what we're going to talk about today. And as you know, I like to give statistics. So I'm going to talk about some t statistics about self-esteem. Our self-esteem is how we feel about ourselves, how we go about our day, how we feel we do in one area or another, how we look, how we think, how we dress, how we smell. It makes up this whole thing that is us. Sometimes our self-esteem can be impacted by how we grew up the things that people said to us, the things that we think about ourselves. Sometimes there's a lot of negative chatter and those negative thoughts tear our self-esteem down. It seems like we come in the world with these core beliefs 
And as the world withers us down, our core beliefs just shrink into nothing. And so our self-esteem shrinks with it. And so we have to bring out those core beliefs. Again, I'm good enough, I'm worthy, I'm capable, I'm lovable, I'm blessed. Core beliefs, I deserve to be here. I'm strong enough, I'm good enough, I'm worthy. And not let other people, our circumstances, things that happen to us, wither those core beliefs down to nothing. We gotta rebuild them. Born with them, they're there, we can make them grow again. That's what we wanna do with our self-esteem. We wanna bring that back up. We wanna take all the things off of it that have killed it, that have buried it. We want to bring that self-esteem back to life. So according to Psychology Today, by age 17, 78% of girls are unhappy with their bodies by age 17. And if you think about that, simply go on Instagram. What do you see? You see somebody with a banging body and she's a size two, four. The world doesn't look like that. But when we turn on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, that's all you see. And it's not reality. It's a snapshot. And then we go around with our regular everyday bodies feeling like we can never live up to that. That withers down our self-esteem. So by age 17, 78% of teenage girls are unhappy with their bodies. This is where we're going with this. And to be quite honest, this was before TikTok, Instagram, Facebook came along. This is when we had Cosmopolitan and we had all those other magazines and Barbie and all those things that tell us what we should look like or what the ideal woman is, okay? More than 90% admit to feeling pressure to look a certain way or would change something about how they look if they could. We have our children going around wishing they could change themselves. And to be quite honest, if you're honest with yourself, how many of us would change something about ourselves so we could look better, feel better, fit in, all of us have something. All of us have something. 75% of the girls with low self-esteem reported engaging in negative activities like cutting, bullying, smoking, drinking, or disordered eating. So eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, um, any of those things, compared to 25% of girls with high self-esteem. 59% of the U.S. teens have been bullied or harassed online, okay? And a similar share says that a majority of their problems, uh, major problems for their age is this, is their self-esteem. And among high school, high school students, 44% of the girls, 15% of the guys are attempting to lose weight. So this isn't just our females. These are our young men as well. So let's look at some of the definitions that we talk about when we talk about self-esteem. It's confidence in one's own self-worth, okay? Your abilities, your self-respect. 93% of people believe that self-confidence is critical to your professional success. How many of us go on our jobs and we're good at our jobs and when we're at our jobs, we feel like we are on fire. We are the bomb, we got this. But then we will get home, we get in social situations, we go in other places. The confidence level sh shrinks. It's not the same. So it is possible to have self-esteem high in one area, but low in another. So we kind of stick to those areas where we feel good and we shy away from those areas that we don't. How many of us know somebody that's good at their job, but outside of their job, they kind of isolate. They don't have a lot of friends. They stay at home. You don't really ever see them. But if you see them at work, they are running the show. They are the go-to person. You want something done, you know you go to Shaquita or you go to John or you go to Nancy because they can get it done. But at home, totally different person. Or opposite. You go to somebody's house, they have everything together. It looks like Martha Stewart, but at work, they don't talk to anybody. They just do their job and they go home. We have different areas where we feel like we are the ish. We got it done. We can do this, but we don't feel that way all the time. So there's a specific area, specific social 
or I'm sorry, specific self-esteem and a global self-esteem. So that global is my work, who I am on the outside. The specific self-esteem is who I am on the inside. Um, 62% of college students in the U.S. report feeling overwhelming anxiety, which can be linked to low self-esteem. So again, to our mental health, when our self-esteem is low, our anxiety is up, depression is up. We feel bad about ourselves. Um, people with low self-confidence, now this is our money, people with low self-confidence on the average earn $8,000 less a year than people with higher self-confidence. So not only does this impact our mood and behavior, it can impact our money. So it's important to have a higher self-esteem. It's important to tap into that part of us that makes it more than specific, that we can make it global and we feel good in all areas, all areas. So there's some things that I went on and looked at about self-esteem and we'll talk about this because some of the things I can agree with, some of the things I'm not sure, so sure about because I think there's a cultural aspect here. So as I said before, there's two different kinds of self-esteem. There is the, what we call self-worth and global, how you feel about yourself in general, and then the specific, how you feel about yourself in specific roles. Okay, so how you feel about yourself in general, what you think about yourself in general, you might not be all that happy about yourself, but then in specific roles, how do you feel about yourself as a boss, as a mother, as a wife? Are you killing it in those roles? Great. But then how you feel about yourself as you may not be the same. And we can wear a number of hats, women in particular, mom, wife, sister, aunt, cousin, blah, blah, blah. Men wear a lot of hats. Some of those hats we don't feel like we're the best at. Some of those hats we feel like we're the bomb at. Our self-esteem can fluctuate from day to day. This I do agree with. You ever have those days where you're feeling great? Nobody can tell you anything. You feel great. You look great. Everything in the world is yours. And then other days, you can barely look at yourself. You feel like you're failing as a mother, as a boss, as a sister. You feel like you're failing in all areas. So our self-esteem can fluctuate from day to day. Good thing is there are days when you feel really up. Bad thing is there are days when you don't. And we can talk about how to get those days to be more up days than down, how to restore those core beliefs that we have about ourselves. Um, one of the things that I found too is higher self-esteem is not necessarily better. And I think I can agree with this um, when we talk about, and this is a, a word that people are starting to throw around, so I want to be careful with this. But when we start to talk about people who are narcissistic, that's when high self-esteem is not better. Because if you've ever run into a person that everything is about them, and no matter what you do, it is always turned to be about them and you're feeling less than, their high self-esteem is not better because it's putting other people in a less than position. When your self-esteem is so high that you are making other people feel down, that, that's not good for anyone, nor is it good for you. So we need to be able to check that, okay? And you will often find sometimes when people appear to have a higher self-esteem, there might be some deep-rooted issues where they feel like they need to have that high self-esteem. So we need to be cognizant of that as well. Um, this is something that I disagree with, but this was what um, another psychologist stated. Um, their belief that self-esteem is unrelated to physical attractiveness. This is why I disagree. I just read to you the statistics on young teenage girls. 75%, I believe, is what it said, um, unsatisfied with their bodies, which lowers their self-esteem. Even before there was Instagram, even before there was Facebook, you had girls with anorexia, with bulimia, with inducing vomiting, um, not happy with their body because they were too fat or they were too this, dying to lose weight. And these are young girls and guys. 
culturally, um, if you culturally, Black women, women of color, we tend to be curvier. And sometimes that translates to being overweight or obese when we look at the BMI, which I personally does not reflect all cultures. It's based on one culture stereo, one culture type that does not reflect all cultures. And so that can leave us feeling like we're not good enough. We're not fitting into this size two, four, six. Every woman is not a size two, four, six. Marilyn Monroe, if I'm not mistaken, was more like a 12, 14. And she was a model and a beautiful woman. We go back to Victorian ages. Those women were not sticks. Those women were sizes 12, 14, 16, 18. They were curvaceous women. But we've gotten away from that now to having these stick figures or these women who are size two, four, sixes. Everybody doesn't fit into that. But then we're trying to get to that. And then we have these celebrities who have chefs, personal trainers, and all these things. Of course, they look good. They can afford to get tummy tucks or all these other things. We are regular people. We can't afford to do those things. And it's showing us that our bodies aren't good enough. So I kind of disagree with self-esteem is not related to physical attractiveness. If we're constantly trying to keep up with the Kardashian or the Joneses or whoever else it is out here telling us that you need to look like this instead of being happy with the body that you're in, I think that does lend to self-esteem issues. Um, another thing I disagree with is people with low self-esteem are resistant to positive feedback. In a way, I think that can be true. If our self-esteem is so low, it may be hard for us to accept a compliment. That I can agree with. But I do believe if we continue to pour positive affirmations into ourselves on a daily, like you take medication for your diabetes, like you take medication for migraines, like you take medication for your heart, if you take medication for your mind, for your self-esteem, for your spirit, after a while, I think that sets in. Just like it sets in from all the media images telling you your body's not good enough, that set in and makes you feel worse. So why wouldn't positive affirmations constantly flowing into you, constantly bombarding you like those negative messages, how could those not make you feel better? So just something to think about, changing those negative thoughts and putting in some positive messages about how beautiful you truly are and thinking about some of the things that the world tells us are not good for us are things that we naturally have that they're dying to get. Lip injections, butt injections, curvy waist, curly hair. We have all of that naturally, but yet constantly being told it's not good enough. Let's think about that. High self-esteem functions like an emotional immune system that I agree with. You ever notice when your self-esteem is high, you have more energy, you feel good, you feel like you can take over the world because your self-esteem is telling you, girl, dude, you got it. You got this. Go get it. Let's go out. Let's do this. You, it's just, it's again, it's like this feel good hormone that just pumps you up and you just have those days. And I want you to start to pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your mood. You ever have those days where you just feel like, I am on. I feel good. Things are going my way. Start to pay attention to the times where those start to happen and take advantage of that and pour into yourself more. Start being aware of what's going on with you because it will come up and catch it. Ride that wave when it comes up. Start pouring into yourself. Start a positivity journal. A gratitude journal will go a long way of you pouring into yourself. Start your positive self-esteem journal. So some of the symptoms of low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, self-criticism, the negative self-talk, that stuff comes easy. I were to ask you right now, tell me five negative things about yourself. Most of you could rattle them off like that. But if I said to you, dear heart, tell me 
five wonderful things about yourself. A lot of you will struggle and it shouldn't be that way. You are beautiful, lovable, capable, strong enough, and worthy. Those are five things there for you right now. Write them down. And then add to them every day. Are you a good listener? Do you have beautiful eyes? Do you have beautiful hair? And all hair is beautiful. We'll talk about the Crown Act in a minute. Do you have beautiful skin? Do you have a lovely voice? Do you have a lovely smile? Do you talk to people? Do you give good advice? Are you there for people when they need you? Are you there for yourself? What do you do well? And if you don't know, ask somebody who loves you. Ask your bestie. Ask somebody who's in your corner. There's a lot about you that you don't know that you do well. Tap into somebody who knows. Um, people with low self-esteem avoid eye contact. Are you that person? I had to train myself early on. You look people in the eye. So my parents taught me. When you talk to people, look them in their eye. If you have a problem with that trick I learned, look at their nose. This is the same as looking at their eye. They can't tell. But look at their nose. Bring up your self-esteem. Bring up your confidence. Remember who you are and whose you are. Um, people with low self-esteem joke about themselves in a negative way. You ever have somebody meet somebody like that? They joke about themselves in a negative way. They talk bad about themselves and they kind of laugh it off. We all know in every joke is a little bit of truth. Focusing on your negatives instead of your positives. We just talked about that. Thinking you don't deserve to have fun. Thinking you don't deserve to be happy. Lies. You deserve all of that. Difficulty asserting yourself or challenging yourself. You should always be challenging yourself. You have a gift. If you're not challenging yourself. You're not giving your gift. You're not being the best version of yourself. What does the best version of you look like? Write it down. And if you don't know, figure it out. There's a best version of you. People with low self-esteem avoid situations and people. They isolate. Um, they don't accept compliments, which is why I think that one study said that people with low self-esteem do worse when they have positive affirmation. It's because we don't like positive affirmations. We don't like positivity being given to us because we think we don't deserve it. You do deserve it. You deserve all of it. Um, becoming overly upset by disapproval or criticism because our self-esteem is already low. And then when somebody criticizes us, whether it's good or bad, it hurts even deeper. But we all make mistakes. A mistake is just a learning situation. It's only a mistake if you haven't learned. Figure out the lesson, move on. No mistakes, just lessons. Um, you could also have problems with your body image. You could start to drink too much or do drugs. So those are some of the symptoms of low self-esteem because we're masking, trying to hide the problem. But let's not hide the problem, let's fix it. Some of the causes of low self-esteem, early childhood experiences, being bullied, the way our family treats us, unhealthy families do unhealthy things, doesn't mean we can't break the, the chain. Okay. Um, if you didn't fit in in school, bullied. We've all been bullied by something for some reason. I was bullied. Um, in high school, junior high, grade school, high school, whatever. I'm a jokester, kind of laughed it off, but it did ding my self-esteem. But I had to learn that I was worthy. I was better. I had to find that best version of myself. And I still do that every day. Some days my self-esteem is good. Some days it's not. So this is a learning experience that we have to continue to learn through the rest of our lives. It does. It's not you get high self-esteem and then it just stays there. It's work. We have to work at it. If we were abused or neglected as children, this can lead to us having negative thoughts and comments about ourselves, low self-esteem. Teenagers, especially young girls, subject to unhelpful messages about who we should be, what we should be doing, how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to do, instead of being allowed to be ourselves. That can lead to low self-esteem. So figure out you for you. Not allowing other people to tell you who you should be, who you want to be. 
and be that person. Performing poorly at school, being bullied, stressful life events, unhappy relationships, the loss of a loved one. When we lose somebody, when we lose something that can change us, but we got to bounce back. What do you want to do? We can't let that loss take us off track. Okay, serious illness. All of those can cause low self-esteem. If we have a serious illness that we feel like we're powerless, we can feel defeated. But we're not powerless. We just have to find other ways of managing. How do we manage? What's, what's the secret? How do we get there? What can we do? Supposed to looking at what we can't do. We have help. We have our families, a trusted person, whether it's a family or a non-family member, a trusted person to help you. Life is better with you here has tons of therapists of all kind for all situations. Reach out. We'll be here to help. We'll be here to assist. But you have help. Remember where there's hope, there's help. Um, so now we're going to talk about some problems that are associated with self-esteem. Again, I told you I disagree with self-esteem is not um, associated with physical attractiveness. Culturally, I think that is not true, specifically for African-Americans. So we come to the Crown Act, which came about because there's been discrimination in the workplace about particularly Black women being able to wear their hair naturally. So this is my natural hair. I had a silk press that it's kind of old by now, but this is what I love about our hair. I can, I've done like 2 million things with it since I got the silk press because one drop of rain and it just demolished the whole silk press idea. But I wasn't dismayed because I could do so much with my natural hair and I love it. But I will tell you, there are times when I wanted to get braids for vacation and I had to second guess, wow, what are they going to think at my job? Because I'm professional about getting braids. And I could hear my mother saying, but you're a doctor. Doctors don't wear braids. She comes from the 60s. We got perms and we permed our hair so we could look like the majority. And my mother thinks that braids are very unprofessional. She's 70. I get why she thinks. But I had to tell her, it is my natural hair. It is a natural hairstyle. Black women have been wearing braids since the pharaohs in Egypt and probably before. That's a natural hairstyle for my natural hair. I do not have Caucasian European hair. I have African hair. But it's taken us a long time to be proud of that. Because for a long time, we've been told our hair was nappy, dirty, rough too nappy to do this, too nappy for that, and we don't have good hair. We've had our own infighting between good hair, bad hair. All hair is good hair. All hair is good hair. I love my hair, but it took me some time to get there. And so what the Crown Act does is it, it fights for people to be able to wear their hair the way they want in their professional setting. Okay. Um, National Crown um, Act Day is July 3rd. So it is coming up. Um, actually, it passed because today is July 4th. So it was July 3rd. Um, National Crown Act is the official campaign of the Crown Act. It's led by the Crown Coalition and it's founded by Dove, National Urban League, the Color of Change, and the Western Center on Law and Poverty. And what CROWN stands for is creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. I'm happy that we have the CROWN Act, but I'm dismayed that it even needed to exist. There had to be an act taken to the federal law so that I could wear my hair the way I choose on my job because discrimination has happened. And it's the whole thought that I have to worry about my hair when I go to work. Most people don't have that worry. 
They wake up, they shake their hair, they wash it, they go to work. They don't worry that somebody's going to want to touch their hair, question their hair, whether it's clean. Can I touch it? How did you do that? They don't get all those questions. But with us, when we wake up, we walk into a different world. And our hair is a part of that almost third world. If I'm not wearing it straight, I might be barraged by a bunch of questions about how did I do my hair? What products did I use? Do you mind if I touch it? How long will that last? Do you get it? There's all these things that other people don't necessarily have to worry about. And that plays into our self-esteem. So yeah, I disagree with self-esteem doesn't have anything to do with physical attractiveness. When you tell me my black hair isn't physically attractive and it makes me feel less than. So I'm very thankful for the Crown Act. Um, and it's a hurtful discrimination that can last through our lifetime. We've had little girls say that they don't want to have their hair because they've gone to school and other little girls that are non-Black want to touch their hair and they feel like a spectacle or they feel like they're in a zoo because they want other people want to touch and pet them. That's not a way to grow up and that's part of racism and discrimination. That plays on our anxiety, our depression, all the things that we have to go through that lowers our self-esteem. So that's what the Crown Act does. California was the first state to um, pass the Crown Act in 2019 and a dozen states have followed afterwards. Um, in 2017, a charter school outside of Boston issued multiple detentions to a 15-year-old boy, I'm sorry, a 15-year-old girl who wore her hair in braided extensions saying that the hairstyle violated the dress code. Before that, there was no mention of hairstyles in the dress code. In 2018, a referee in New Jersey forced a 16-year-old mixed-race wrestler to cut his dreadlocks or forfeit his match. In 2019, a public elementary school in a suburban Atlanta displayed several photos of Black children, including girls with braids, to illustrate inappropriate haircuts. And just recently, in April of 2022, Texas high school policy banning braided or twisted hair has stopped a teen from attending school. So these things aren't in the past. They're happening now. They're still happening. Um, there was, it, it's happening so much that there has been research, research about how hair is used in discriminatory practice. There was a study done in 2023, and it says that Black women's hair is 2.5 times more likely to be perceived as unprofessional. Approximately two-thirds of Black women, which is 66%, changed their hair for a job interview. Among them, 41% changed their hair from curly to straight. Understand that. They changed it from curly to straight. Black women are 54% more likely to feel like they have to wear their hair straight to a job interview to be successful. They don't feel like they can wear their natural hair. Black women with coily or textured hair are two times as likely to experience microaggressions in the workplace than Black women with straight hair. So microaggressions are things like, oh, can I touch your hair? Or how did you get your hair like that? Those types of comments that allude to the fact that their hair is not accepted. Over 20% of Black women, 25 to 34, have been sent home from work because of their hair. I'm going to repeat that. Over 20% of Black women aged 25 to 34 have been sent home from work because of their hair. Nearly 44% of Black women under the age of 34 feel pressured to have a headshot with straight hair. Your headshot is your professional picture. They feel pressured to have straight hair in those professional pictures because we want to be seen as 
professional and our natural hair is not perceived as professional. 25% of Black women believe they have been denied a job interview because of their hair, which is even higher for women under 34. Our Crown Act research for girls showed that 53% of Black mothers say their daughters experience racial discrimination based on their hairstyles as early as five years old. Five. They're going through racial discrimination about their hair. So this starts very early. So I really beg to differ that self-esteem has nothing to do with physical attractiveness. 66% of the children in majority white schools have faced race-based hair discrimination. 86% of those children have experienced it by the age of 12. 90% of Black children stating that their hair is beautiful. And 81% of Black children in majority white schools say sometimes they wish their hair was straight. 100% of Black elementary school girls in majority white schools who report experiencing hair discrimination, experience discrimination by the age of 10. So this is how serious the Crown Act is. This is why we need the Crown Act, because these are the things that are happening in the background related to our hair. Our hair. So we're constantly being barraged with messages that as Black women, as Black people, who we are, our color, our hair, our weight, our bodies is not good enough. Yet they mimic us in society. They get perms, which their perms is, guess what? Curly hair. They get breast implants and lip injections and butt implants, which are, guess what? Our body type. But naturally for us, that's not good enough. So we get all of these messages. And yes, to me, that's going to tear on your self-esteem. Um, and when we talk about that, now we'll move into our bodies. So there is a DSM-5 diagnosis of body dysmorphia, and it is a mental health condition um, in which the signs and symptoms include being extremely preoccupied with a perceived flaw and in appearance that others can't see. Okay, you ever have something you notice about yourself and to you, it is glaring. But if you point it out to somebody else, they're looking at you like, what are you talking about? Or what's the problem? Strong belief that you have a defect in your appearance that makes you ugly or deformed. A belief that others take special notice of your appearance in a negative way or mock you. And this may or may not be happening. You engage in behaviors aimed at fixing or hiding the perceived flaw that are difficult to resist or control, such as the frequently checking the mirror, grooming, or skin picking. And this could be the detriment of taking time out of your schedule to do this, interfering with work, your socialization, occupation, like this can get really bad. Um, attempting to hide the flaw with styling, makeup, or clothes. Constantly comparing yourself to others, which I always say is a bad thing, because when we compare ourselves to others, we will never measure up. The only person you should ever compare yourself to is the old you. That's the only person. You get better, you go from there. Frequently seeking assurance about your appearance from others. Always asking people, can they see this? Do I look good? How do I look? Always, always, always seeking that reassurance. Having Fashionistic tendencies, always needing to be perfect before you leave the house, always needing things to be in place, always making sure that flaw is covered and nobody can see it or doing a lot of things to conceal it. Seeking cosmetic procedures with little satisfaction. Um, the extreme of this would be somebody getting cosmetic surgeries, um, butt lifts, tummy tucks, tons of um, facelifts. Um, when I think about celebrities, we all know celebrities who have had work done to them, themselves, and we often think, but you didn't need to do that. Um, and so again, when it comes to us, I think of people like Michael Jackson that had, you know, all those facial surgeries 
And I have to wonder if sometimes it was self-hate because his African nose, his hair, none of that stuff was good enough when he was perfectly fine. And again, so I say society and who they tell us what we should look like, what we should be, what's not good enough. My hair's not good enough. My skin's not good enough. You know, yes, that wears on my self-esteem and body dysmorphia wears on my self-esteem because I'm constantly trying to change these flaws that maybe are not flaws. Maybe they come from the outside in, or maybe they think that only I can see. Um, we avoid social situations. The most common features um, that people tend to fixate are include, but not limited to face, such as your nose, your complexion. Remember the skin whitening cream? Guys, remember all that? Wrinkles. I think that's specifically set out for women, but you see a lot of men on these commercials too, now with the wrinkles. Um, acne for teenagers, which for some of us, that's just a teenage thing. It's what we go through, but we perseverate on that if we have really bad acne um, and other blemishes, if we get skin blemishes. Hair, we just talked about the crown act. Our hair, such as the appearance, the thinning or the baldness, Again, the appearance, if I have natural hair, maybe I should straighten it to fit in where it doesn't look like everybody else's. Skin and vein appearance. Um, breast size. Some of us aren't big enough, too big. It's like the Goldilocks conundrum. You know, it's not big enough, not small enough. It's just right. We're always looking for that thing. Um, muscle size and tone. This goes to our guys who are trying to build muscle, look a certain way. Um, and genitalia, you know, um, again, with the breasts, sometimes guys with penis size, if they think they're not big enough, things like that. And they, we have the world up telling us all these things. Um, and what are the effects? Again, you, the anxiety, the depression, suicidal thoughts, severe depression. I mean, it gets worse over time if it's left untreated. They don't necessarily know the cause, but again, if we look at social media, all the things society telling us who we should be, what we should look like, some of those things. Uh, with body dysmorphia, it typically starts in teenage years. We're vulnerable. Again, the statistic I read earlier, about 75% of teenage girls are unhappy with their body by 17. This starts early. You can have blood relatives with body dysmorphia. so. Maybe a, a hereditary component to that. It also may be a learned behavior. If we have a mom or a dad or an uncle or a sister or an aunt who had perseveration about this, that's something we can pick up if we live with them. Negative life experiences, childhood teasing, bullying, abuse or neglect, certain personality traits such as perfectionism, um, societal pressures. Again, we talked about that. Any other mental health condition, anxiety, depression, stress, um, the need to be perfect, that perfectionism to look like everybody else. Complications, low self-esteem, number one, which is why I disagree with low self-esteem has nothing to do with physical attractiveness. I think it is very much interlinked. Social isolation depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts or behavior when we feel like we've reached the end. Um, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, eating disorders. We're trying to thin out, look a certain way. Um, substance misuse. We're trying to um, mask the problem. We want it to go away. We feel like drugs is the only way when it's not. Remember, alcohol is depressant. Um, health problems from skin picking. Um, trichotillomania, which is picking up the hair, whether it's hair from your head or your eyebrows, anywhere, those things can cause significant health problems. Physical pain or risk of disfigurement um, due to repeated surgical um, procedures. So all the things, and there's no way to prevent it, but through therapy and talking and medication for the anxiety or depression, if that's needed, again, where there's hope, there's help. Life is better with you here. Tons of therapists, mental health therapists, psychiatrists that you can be in touch with, that you can work on this with. Medications and therapy can help you with it. Cognitive behavioral therapy is the number one go-to. Um, Long-term maintenance, 
for that with therapy because there can be relapses. Um, and that's all from the Mayo Clinic. So improve your self-esteem. Number one, be you. Be comfortable in your own skin. And again, get in touch with a professional to help you deal with your perceived flaws and to be more accepting of yourself. Practice verbally asserting yourself. Again, I think positive affirmations are a great way. Just like the media bombards us with negativity and we soak that up and take that in, bombard yourself with positive activity, positive affirmations. Tap into people who pour into you. Get that therapist, get that professional help, trusted people that surround you and pour into you. Um, take an inventory of your strength and write them down. And I'm going to see if we can attach what I call strengths and qualities um, sheet that you can use and download for yourself and get a list of your strengths and qualities and meditate on those. Celebrate the small things in your life. You're an amazing human being. You've done some amazing things. Let's tap into that. You're all of that and then some. Try to do something new and challenge yourself. Step outside your box. If you don't like it, then you step back in or make your box bigger. But do something that challenges you. Um, actively do self-praise. Again, those positive affirmations are going to be great. And there are tons of books out there for positive affirmations for Black women. I've got to imagine there's positive affirmations for Black men. Pinterest is a good place to start if you don't want to buy a book. Go make your own Pinterest board of positive affirmations for yourself. What makes you tick? What makes you feel good? What makes you empowered? I've said this before. Make a superhero soundtrack. Get the music together that makes you feel like you could take over the world. What is that? Do that for yourself. Um, be honest and set realistic goals. Do not set goals that you're going to fly to Mars. Let's fly to the moon first. Let's do the things we know we can do and then go from there. Practice confident posture, good eye contact. Remember, if you can't start with the eyes, look at the nose. Just look at their nose. But remember who you are. You deserve good eye contact and you deserve to give it as well as receive it. Show the world who you are because you are worthy. They need to see your beautiful eyes. They need to see that you mean business. Show the world who you are and it starts with your eyes. Okay, let the eyes have it. Think of one thing you're proud of each day. Each day, gratitude. One thing you're proud of, just one. Next week, think of two, and then just keep adding on. If you have more than one, have at it. But you have a lot to be proud of. And if you can't think of it, ask a trusted person who knows you. They'll make a list for you. You might be surprised. Challenge your negative thinking. If you have a negative thought, write it down. And then on the other side of the paper, I want you to write the reverse of that negative thought. Okay? That's how you challenge a negative thought. If you took that thought to court, provide the evidence. If there's no evidence, throw it out because it can't win. Choose your thoughts wisely because you deserve that. Think about things you can change. Don't worry about the things you can't. Serenity prayer. Remember it. Okay? Avoid doing things perfectly. There is no perfection, only progress. There's not a perfect person here. Progress only. Stop beating yourself up about mistakes. They're not mistakes if you've learned from them. They're only lessons. Do the, do the things that you enjoy, okay? It's easier to be positive when you do the things you like. Don't set yourself up for failure. And be with people that don't bring you down. I'm going to tell you this. When you are trying to bring somebody up that insists on being down, they're going to bring you down before you can bring them up. Be with people on your level, somebody higher who's going to help bring you up. Iron sharpens iron. You're strong. You're sharp. Find somebody sharp or sharper than you. Okay? Good company. Do something to volunteer and help people. Altruism, the ability and the want to help people makes us feel better. Stop comparing yourselves to others. Only compare yourself to you. You're the best person. All right. However, if you're still struggling, then seek professional help. 
Remember, Life is Better With You Here has tons of professionals to help you, tons of resources. In an emergency, feeling suicidal, anything like that, you know, you could call 911. We have the Crisis Lifeline and the Line Chat that you can talk, text to chat, as well as the 988. So there is always help. Call your primary care um, provider for help. And again, always reach out to Life is Better With You Here. That's what we're here for. Remember, where there's hope, there's help. My challenge to you is decide who you want to be, how you want to be, and how you will wear your crown. And then go do that. Go be that person. You are more than capable. You have a gift. Don't hide it. Share it. My affirmation for you, my body doesn't deserve to be treated with anything less than love and respect. My hair comes from generations of strong women. When I honor my hair, I'm honoring my heritage. And remember, regardless of your mental health journey, life is always better with you here. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. This has been the Life is Better with You Here podcast with Dr. Childs. For more episodes, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and more. We would also like to give gratitude to our sponsors, the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation and Global Insight Productions, without whom we wouldn't be able to do this. For more information about our sponsors, please visit ohiospf.org and globalinsightpro.com. For more information about us, visit our website, lifeisbetterwithyouhere.org slash. We look forward to seeing you next week. And if you have any suggestions for episode topics, please leave us a comment. Also, if you or someone you love is in crisis, please call 988 or text Steve, S-T-E-V-E, to 741-741 for free and confidential support 24-7. And again, thank you.